is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 522, recorded re- recorded, recorded Thursday, March 25th, 2021. I mean, something happened on March 25th, 2021. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it could be anything. Could be anything. But here we are. We're recording a podcast. Welcome to the show, one and all. Jason, how are you doing tonight? I am doing okay. How about you, Christopher? I suppose I'm doing all right. It's Thursday night. Tomorrow is Friday. I'm hoping for a nice, smooth slide into the weekend. Yeah, slippery slide into the weekend with nothing to do, going nowhere, uh, no milestones, nothing that needs to be accomplished on this Friday. Is that, is that the hopes? I probably have one or two things that need to be accomplished, but just no curveballs, no fires to put out. I just want to have a nice smooth ride along Friday and then enjoy my weekend and not have to worry about anything until Monday. There you go. And then next week is a short week, right? Because the following weekend is Easter, I think. Holy shit already. Yeah. All right. (gasps) I'm working on a project with mostly people in Canada. They all know about the holidays. <laughs> Usually I'm working out of, out of the States for projects in the States and uh, I have to explain Canadian holidays because they don't take, uh, what was it called? Thanksgiving Eve? I forgot the holiday already. Thanksgiving Eve is not a holiday. No, the Easter, Easter Eve, Easter Friday. That's it. Good Friday. This Good Friday. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a hell of a night. Wait a minute. Um, Good Friday is the holiday here and Easter Monday yes. is not a holiday. Uh, well, it's a civic holiday or it's a, yeah, it's a civic holiday. Uh, governments get the Easter Monday off. Okay. But us normal people don't. That's right. All right. So anyways, it's but a in long- the States, they don't take Good Friday off. Really? Yeah. There has to be a holiday around Easter in the States, isn't there? I, I don't know. There probably is, but it's not, uh, it's not Good Friday. Okay. Well, I'll believe you until someone tells me otherwise. Yeah. In, in any case, yeah, it's Thursday night. Welcome to the show, everyone. We are here to do our feedback for the last episode of The Walking Dead. And uh, you know what? I got nothing else before we get into it. So what do you say we get started? When you say the last episode of The Walking Dead, you mean the most recent episode of The Walking Dead? Yeah, the last one to air, which was on Sunday, okay, even though just... being Thursday, the new one is already up on AMC+. Plus. It gets very confusing if you think about it too hard. Yeah, this time travel thing is a bitch. Or if you don't think about it at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to. All right. Well, you ready to start? I sure am, Christopher. Wonderful. Here we go. Listener feedback. All right. This first email comes from Nick in Chicago. And Nick says, I know Chris was not a fan of a full episode on Princess, but I think the length of time was perfect for us in getting to know her, particularly those of us who don't read the comics. Prior to this episode, I found her character to be slapstickish and goofy. Spending a dedicated episode inside Princess's brain helped me understand why she responds in the awkward way that she does. I think the usual Walking Dead format of having three to four plot lines going on at once in an episode wouldn't have allowed the audience to get to understand the complex character that is Princess. That's true. 
Yeah, so a bit of a justification of of giving Princess her own episode, diving into her backstory, seeing what she's all about right now. And upon some reflection, I'm less uh, down on this episode than I was because I do like the character too. I just maybe wasn't really expecting it or, or wanted a little bit more, but um, I'm, I'm happy that they they gave this to Princess and... I think it'll come up again in this podcast. And I said it a couple nights ago, it will in the long run pay off for us and give us some benefits of having her around and knowing more about her. Uh, I would agree with that. Is it why these weird, these episodes seem weird is that they don't have a B plot line and a C plot line. They're just the plot and that's it. It could be part of it. I mean, really none of them do. They just stick with the same thing the whole episode. And that's been the case for all of them so far. And I expect it will be the case for the next two as well. Now I'm going to have to watch TV in a different way and look for the various plot lines or even read books. I'm reading, uh, I'm, uh, I'm listening to the most recent Stephen King novel at the moment. Uh, and it's only got one plot. There's no B plot line. It's just the plot. Huh. What's the most it, recent Stephen King book called? It's called Later. Oh, just okay. came out from what I can tell. It's actually really, really good. I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, but it's it's it seems like a novella. It's not very long. It's uh, not very complex. It's just like, here's the shit. Here's the shit that happens. Well, so far, right? <laughs> sure. You never <laughs> know. What, done. You never know what might happen. But uh, yeah. uh, that's good. How long before you think it's made into a TV show or movie? Oh, probably six or seven weeks. <laughs> it's probably already in development. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, of course. All right. Next we have an email from John in Shoeburyness, England. What a great name. <laughs> it is a good name. I like the character princess in the comic books and I know she can be bit, un- be a bit unhinged at times, but the comic, in the comic, it felt as though we, she had a twisted sense of humor after spending most of the apocalypse alone. I am unsure where the show is going to take her quirkiness. As an aside, it was good to hear Eugene in this episode as I have, I have missed his structured sentences and reportive way of speaking. Endeavoring to sign off this digital episode? Epistle. You're supposed to prepare ahead of time. (laughs) I am. I read that word a number of times. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Endeavoring to sign off on this epistle to you, audio producing gentleman. Right. Endeavoring to sign off this digital epistle to you, audio producing gentleman. Epistle. That's a word? Yeah. Is that a real word? I, I, I think so. It's, it's his take or it's his attempt at a eugenism. Yeah. Letter, missive, communication, message, dispatch. There you go. Digital epistle. Epistle. I've never seen that word before in my whole life. Well, you learn something new every day. And today it's the word epistle. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. Um, So princess, you know, little uh, twisted sense of humor because she's alone in the apocalypse. You know, not to say that none of that was in the comics either, but uh, they've got it right up front here in the show. All right. Here comes a call from Nathan. Now I got to warn everybody. There is actually a spoiler for Fight Club in this call. <laughs> so you have been warned. The call's about 45 seconds long if you want to jump ahead and you're worried about spoilers for Fight Club. Yeah, and if uh, and for those of you uh, that have been born, that have been lived only in the last 20 years or so, the Fight Club is a movie from 1999. I know, but it's a movie. No, I know you know, but I'm just warning the listeners if you don't know what Fight Club is. First of all, go watch it. 
Second of all, it's a movie from 1999. Yeah, fair enough. It's just, or it's 2000. a movie that can really be spoiled. So I want to give people the opportunity to skip ahead about 45 seconds starting roughly now. Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Nathan here. Hope you've had a great week. Uh, overall, this episode got a thumbs up from me. I think it'll help me care a bit more about Princess in the future. Um, up until now, I found her a little bit too cartoony and silly, but now we have a bit of a backstory. I feel like I can empathize with her a lot more. Uh, I thought the line she had about not being crazy except for the ADHD, anxiety, and crushing loneliness was also pretty funny, to be honest. Biggest point of the episode, though, is how much the twist reminded me of Fight Club. I was pretty sus on Ezekiel's behavior leading up to the twist, but thought it was just, like, bad or cheesy writing. I was very glad to see that it was all actually part of the plot. That's all for me today. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks so much, Nathan. So we won't talk about the Fight Club spoiler, um, <laughs> but it, you know, it, uh, Nathan's call reminds me a little bit of John's comments uh, just before him about her being, you know, uh, having a sense of humor or, or just being taking some humor from her uh, comments about all the conditions she suffers from. Not that it's funny, but... Yeah. The way it was presented in the episode, I think it was a little bit funny and maybe intentionally so. Uh, I would I would agree with that. And uh, to be fair, uh, the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Uh, exactly. You do not talk about Fight Club. So we're not going to. Fair enough. All right. Next, we have an email from Laura in Char Charlotte, North Carolina. This really should have been titled, Tell Me You Are Filming in a Pandemic Without Saying You Are Filming in a Pandemic. Worst episode in recent memory. I was wishing it would end the whole time. Oh man, I'm I'm so sorry, Laura. Obviously, this one does have the obvious telltale signs of shooting in the pandemic, but so have all of them when you think about it. And we've definitely had some good episodes in this run. So I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, yeah. And and I still stand by. It's probably my least favorite of the four that we've had so far, but I don't think it was bad. I, at least I no longer think it's bad. You know, I, uh, I forgot to mention this when we were doing the recap, but you know, the scene where uh, princess was talking to Eugene through the grate. Uh, I was looking for reflections of a uh, plexiglass uh, covering of that grate. Uh, the whole time so that we could see, or I could see that, uh, uh, they were talking through plexiglass. I mean, you could record the audio on both sides with no problem, right? It was still sound fine, but I was looking for that plexiglass to see if, uh, it was visible in these pandemic times. Did you see it? I did not see it. I, and you know, they, uh, you know, spoiler for Indiana Jones. Can I spoil <laughs> 1982 movies? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, so when he, when Indiana Jones, who hates snakes, fell into the pit and there was a snake and there was a, a snake like right next to his face, they did that with a piece of glass between them, uh, between the snake and, and uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, and they tried to shoot it in such a way that you could not see the reflection. But if you go back and you watch it, you can see the reflection. Yeah. I'm Just not, a little bit. I'm not surprised at all. It's pretty hard to get rid of reflections. I'm sure these days they could do it with special effects or the snakes wouldn't even be there at all. Oh yeah. It'd be a digital Harrison Ford at this point. <laughs> Probably. That's right. <laughs> Real snake, digital Harrison Ford. That's, <laughs> that's the way they would do it. The snake is cheaper. Easier. <laughs> it could be. Probably. I don't know. They probably have a digital Harrison Ford kicking around that they could just use. They're planning, they're planning that for 
future use, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. They've scanned his likeness and they'll just continue making movies with him after he's long gone. Yep. Good times. Good times. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Amy in Indy writes, princess knocked it out of the park. I could see the splintering of her mind as she recalls prior trauma. I felt the guilt of impatience as she somehow slowly told her story while talking frantically. I will, I must watch again to figure out what was real and what wasn't. At the end, I thought, damn, these people are evil and my peeps are in trouble. Who are these people? They can't be the Civic Republic because they have the helicopters and Rick. The Civic Republic are also the ones doing the experiments on zombies in World Beyond and the Seekers of A's and B's, right? Yep. That's true. And I don't think these people are the Civic Republic either. Well, I mean, you have the advantage of knowing what's hap- what happened in the comic, but for me, they could be the Civic Republic. You're, you also have to, uh, you're also assuming that the Civic Republic is uh, a, a homogenous uh, unity, entity, right? That is just right. one organization, but, you know, uh, large organizations over a large area are not homogenous. They're splintered all, you know, all the hell, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have little offshoots and stuff. So these guys could be technically the civic Republic, just, you know, the stormtrooper armor faction. Well, and you have to remember that the CR is pretty big too, right? Didn't we learn in world beyond that there's 200,000 of them, Yeah, something like that. And we had a huge community, um, where the characters in that show started out. And I think Portland was another one. So it's a group of communities, right? This could be another one related to them with a relationship with them or, you know, one of various different uh, organizations or relationships. So I'm going to say that it's not the Civic Republic, like the same people that we are seeing in World Beyond, I don't think, but you never know. Could be... Uh, related group or have some sort of interaction with them. Could be. You know? uh, yeah, I have, I have no idea. All I know is that they're uh, play acting at being soldiers. <laughs> well, they're wearing fun white armor. <laughs> fun white stormtrooper-like armor. Yep. And Amy, I think you nailed it. Uh, I was trying to, during the recap, I was trying to figure out the significance, uh, the theme or, you know, what kind of symbol symbolism the splinter is was in, in princess's finger, but you, I think you nailed it by saying the splintering of her mind, mm-hmm. like the actual splinter itself reflects that entire portion of the story where her mind splinters and then the splinters gone and everything's fine again. And everything comes like, uh, clear for her again. That's right. Yeah. So Amy, you nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Emma from Leeds, UK. I just wanted to offer some thoughts on what you were saying about the interrogation and whether it was real or not. And one of you saying that if she shadowed, uh, if the shadowed interrogator reappears at a later date, how would, uh, how'd you'd be real, uh, sorry, how you'd be real disappointed as how could she have known that he existed if the interrogation wasn't real? So. I think given her mental state and how much of the episode was in her mind, I think it's safe to say that she's really not the most reliable source of information. There was a point where she was talking to Ezekiel about the interrogation when she said, I got a little bit upset, I might have, and then mimes punching someone. 
Is it possible that the interrogation did actually happen, but rather than her getting hit, she was actually one that lashed out and hit the interrogator? It just seems like the full interrogation, particularly the shower scene, is an odd thing for her to completely make up in her mind, as I imagine being stripped naked and inspected like that would really be traumatizing for a young woman. But it's something that could have actually happened. She just warped the truth. All right, so the interrogation is real, but she's kind of remembering it wrong or right. making up some information or facts about what actually happened. So she thinks, but uh, that kind of splinters, again, there's that word again, <laughs> it kind of splinters her reality from our vision of what happened. Yeah. Because if she's the one who got hit and then she tells Ezekiel essentially that she's the one who did the hitting, what uh, what we saw wasn't what she knew happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it, We're seeing it all from her perspective. We're getting her, what's happening in her mind. So, but, in, but if she's telling Ezekiel that she did the hitting, her perspective is different than our perspective. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But if we're seeing her perspective... That can't be right either. I feel like I'm in a Star Trek episode and somebody just told me that uh, the, the other person always tells a lie and the other person says, yes, that's true. And now my computer brain can't handle it and it just explodes. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, yeah. She, she maybe miming punching wasn't what she meant. Maybe it was just like she meant to say I got a little, you know, rambunctious or ornery in there. I got a little punchy. I yeah, Instead of punchy. I got punched. E something, something like that. It's it's hard to say. I don't know. We'll ever if we'll ever really get an answer on that because I don't think it was explicitly clear in the episode. If that dude does reappear, I think we have to assume that it was a real interrogation. Whether Princess um, remembers it or portrayed it to Ezekiel. Right correctly or not something actually happened right so there was there was a real portion of that she was taken out of the train car and interrogated by this guy yeah. what happened in that interrogation we can't rely on what we saw pretty much yeah and as emma says she's not a really reliable source of information and so it could have not gone down the way we saw it it's tough yes. though it's tough to uh it's tough to really say it's that unreliable narrator thing, right? Yeah. Which also ties back. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to tie, but talk about it. <laughs> Don't talk about it. Good point. Don't talk about it. Yes. Uh, okay. Also, Emma, amazing last name, but I'm sure I'm not the first person to point that out. You know what I mean? All right. Next up here is Julie in Wisconsin. Julie writes, listening to your discussion about the episode Splinter, trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't, it got me thinking. What if everything from the guard coming in to him opening the door to reveal the cast members with sacks over their heads was all in Princess's head? That would explain why she was able to overpower him and why he just stayed there while she left, quote unquote, the car and talked through everything. So <laughs> flip it. So everything was real except for the part that we thought was real. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but then... 
But then opening the door and seeing her friends out there. Now I'm getting confused. That wasn't real? No, I think, I think that is real. That has to be real, doesn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to question something, you can question everything, right? So maybe that wasn't real. Maybe the whole interaction with the guard uh, altogether wasn't real. So Ezekiel's not real. The guard coming in is not real. Her her uh, beating him up and getting uh, one up on him and getting his weapon isn't real. Uh, the discussion afterwards, her confessing, uh, the door opening, seeing the other, her friends and getting a hood drawn over her eyes, none of it real. We start off the next episode where we see her. She's cowering in the corner of a, a back of a truck, let's say. Fuck the whole train car thing, right? She's in the back of a truck and she's been there for a long time. Well, that'll piss me off. Or maybe maybe we just pick up with them being surrounded, standing there by the soldiers. And this entire episode happened in her mind in that instant. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. There's that's that. even better. Even better. I don't know if that's she, she wakes up the next day and the whole thing was a dream. The whole thing was a dream. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, I guess we have to, we're, I, I don't want to, I mean, we're probably overthinking it, right? We're, we're going too far down the hole now, but yeah. anyways, I don't know. It's, it's confusing. And I think if you just stick to, we got a lot more information about Princess in this episode, her backstory, and uh, why she is the way she is, whether it was real or not. The information well, the backstory, was... I think, is real. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and assume the backstory was real. I, I agree with that. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, maybe it's just, uh, well, you know, that's what the important part was, and we can stop worrying about what was real and what wasn't. Maybe there are no stormtroopers. I'm pretty sure there's stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, what if there is no spoon? All right. So next we have an email from Natalie in Detroit, Michigan. As a woman who suffered from five out of the six dis- of the six five out of the six disorders that Princess listed off, I'm ecstatic ecstatic that the writers uh, made the choice to show what all of those brain worms can cause. And as someone with OCD as well, the counting of the steps and the listing of the state capitals in alphabetical order is actually something I've done to control an anxiety attack. Paola did an amazing job portraying the PTSD. I loved this episode. That's awesome, uh, Natalie, that you love the episode. I was sort of trying to get at this a little bit a couple of nights ago when I commended the show for, you know, portraying these sorts of things in this character. And I'm yeah. glad Natalie, you know, maybe unintentionally backs me up on that. Uh, so that's, it's good. You know, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that the show tried it and did it and apparently did it successfully. Yeah. And did, uh, they did their homework, which seems nice. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. Andy on the internet writes, I don't think the hole in the wagon necessarily means that the soldiers are complete idiots. Maybe the guys who got the order to check the wagons checked the first three and they were fine. And since it was almost dinner time, they just took a short look in the fourth one and assumed it was also fine. <laughs> That's how I do my job. You know, it's almost dinner time. So just uh, take the rest of the day off. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm going to get some food. I'm sure what I'm working on right now is good enough. It'll still be there when you come back. But then again, uh, you know, the job that I do is not life or death. I think I'd pay a lot more attention if, uh, if there were lives on the line or prisoners who could escape and hurt somebody on the line. 
Maybe, maybe. But then again, you it's never not know. the apocalypse, and uh, I'm not hungry at the moment, so who knows? Yeah, your your stomach controls your uh, controls almost everything you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, next we have an email from Keith in Carrick-Fergus. I think the only two zombies we saw this week have been seen before. In the episode where we got introduced to Princess, she had them all dressed up on display over the, all over the place. I think she saw them with Ezekiel because she saw them as friends, too, of some sort. Yeah, and I'm just going to continue right on here with John in Boston, Massachusetts, who writes, I'm inclined to believe that the aborted escape near the end was real. They showed us two zombies dressed as railroad workers with faux Ezekiel, which were clearly Princess's imagination. As he heads back, as she heads back to the train car, we see two zombies, but they are chained and appear completely different. I think that was reality. The stormtroopers likely allowed Princess to escape to see if she would abandon her friends, a test that indicates what sort of people they are. So another interesting take on it. And funny, those two zombies who were with Ezekiel were indeed dressed up. You know, one of them uh, had overalls on, the other had a suit and a pocket watch around his neck and they were wearing hats. You don't see zombies wear hats very often. No, not very often at all. And and John is right. Um, they were kind of dressed up as train railroad, railroad workers. Um, and going back to what Keith said, we know that Princess was dressing up and posing the zombies too, if you recall, when we first met her. So that's definitely the kind of thing she might imagine, I think, yep. which is fun. Um, anyways, when she's walking away back to the train car, yeah, we see the two zombies who are connected at the neck with a board with like neck rings on it. Um, so they're definitely different zombies. They're dressed differently and, uh, interesting, interesting little take there. Um, the other yeah. thing is if they let her escape, you know, it could also explain why the train car guy just stayed there. If it was all a ruse and a plan, let her escape. Yep. If she comes back, I'll still be here. That's not, a, I, I'm telling you, it's not a great way to build trust. You know, you know, that horrific test that you, uh, horrific, horrific situation that you just went through. That was all just a test. You're good now. Let's be <laughs> friends. Uh, yeah, exactly. You passed. So everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. I mean, so. yeah, but I think, I think it's funny that I didn't really notice that the zombies were different in the final scene as she was walking away until it was pointed out by some listeners. Right. So it's true. Good stuff. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I went back and rewatched that scene to look at the zombies and Paula was really good in it. She was really yeah. good in it. The way she, you could see her mind going a mile a minute, sort of struggling with knowing that Ezekiel wasn't real because she starts it off by telling herself to get it together. You know, she knows she's having a, some sort of moment here, some sort of hallucination. And then of course, Ezekiel playing her conscience was actually really good too. Um, even though I didn't love him in his earlier scene, I thought he was really great here. So this was a really, really good scene and I'm, you know, glad I went back to watch it to sort of have that realization. All right. Well, next. sorry. I have one more thing too about, uh, so, so there's two, one more things. There's two, one more things. Yeah. This is one, two things. Um, John also in his email, which was long, wondered if all four actors were ever on set together, the four like main characters we know. Uh -huh. And the answer to that question is no. Eleanor Matsura, who plays Yumiko, was never actually there. She couldn't 
be there for some reason. So she recorded her lines remotely and then they used her stunt double, a woman named Courtney Chen, as her stand-in at the end when, uh, when they had the hoods over their heads. Nice. So just to answer your question, John, nope, they weren't all there at together at any point. And, uh, I'd be surprised if any more than two of them were ever there, um, uh, at one time. Cause I think we only ever saw two on screen at a time. Two at a time. We saw Ezekiel and princess. We saw a princess and Eugene and that was it Yeah, for our, our main intrepid heroes. But then we had a couple of the, uh, the, the stormtrooper guys. Right. Well, I'm not counting those, but unless at the beginning they had to shoot anything new for that opening scene where they're sort of getting beat up. I don't know if they did though. I'm not sure if they did. It didn't look like it to me, but it's been a while since I've seen anything. No, it didn't look like it to me either. What I did notice though, is you do kind of see the three of them and then you see Yumiko separately. Um, yep. So I, if they did shoot anything, it would have been just, uh, just the three of them together at, at most, I think. So, yep. Anyways, thank you, John, for that. Excellent. Any more, one more things? No, that's all the one more things I've got for that one. All right. Next, we have an email from Happy Jack in Victoria, BC. Sad that Princess had such an abusive traumatic past. She seems to have made a decision to be part of something and chooses not to leave her new friends after battling major self-doubt. Then she gets double-crossed by the train trooper after showing a bit of trust to him. Brutal. Hopefully the next thing the troopers do is pull the bags off their heads and say, okay, we like you. Want some lunch? <laughs> yeah, well, if it was all a test, maybe they'll be like, you passed. Here's some food. Here's some clean clothes. Now we'll let you really have a shower. You know, we're actually nice people. What's in the sandwich, asshole? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never Trust issues. <laughs> That's right. Never uh, eat a mystery sandwich. I would never... I don't think I'd ever take a sandwich from someone who... Uh, kidnapped me and put me in a train car and uh, forced me to beat them up. Uh, still confused about that whole situation, but still uh, trust issues. And if the interrogation was real and she got smacked in the mouth uh, by a fist, that still would lower my level of trust. But if she did the smacking, uh, I, I don't know. It's still, I'd still have trust issues and I'd be a little... Uh, Weary about that sandwich. Yeah, I hear you. It's tough to figure out. Okay. Uh, Tallahassee's dumb brother on the internet wrote in, just to prove I'm not a curmudgeon, overall much better. I loved it. Princess is a diamond here. Her performance hits the right notes of mania and depression. The character is literally laid bare, but her humanity cannot be stripped away. She's a flawed character, and for that, I like her even more. There's more than a hint of gravity as Ezekiel bursts in like George Clooney to help Princess, but it turns out he's really Tyler Durden and Princess beats the shit out of a guy who really is too short to be a stormtrooper. I'm not sure how her escape fits in overall if Trooper THX 1138's plan was to break her all along, but hey, it's a simple story told well, held up by a great performance that is respectful to those of us who are just a little crazy but without going full cinematic Martin Riggs or dribbling loon. Does it really move the story along? Well, maybe the length of a train carriage. Would the episode be missed if cut from the series? Hell yes. Princess is my new hero. Uh, that was a lot of references in the last paragraph there. 
in the middle, the middle paragraph is one of my favorite that we've ever got. There's like four <laughs> movies referenced in two sentences. It's fantastic. I, I, I love that, that email. It's so great. It, it was really good. I, <laughs> I even got most of them, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to look for anything that I may have missed. Yeah, I, I think I understood them all too, but uh, some more praise for Paula's performance as princess. And uh, I'm glad that Tallahassee's dumb brother enjoyed this one. You know, <laughs> Even his name is a reference to a zombie movie. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Last week, um, he or she wrote in to say or was really down on the episode. And that's why this time they said, I'm not a curmudgeon just to prove it. <laughs> well, he's, he says that he's Tallahassee's dumb brother. Oh yeah. Sorry. Right? So I, <laughs> I guess we can sort of assume he, but I guess based on all the references, maybe, maybe not. Right? I, I, I don't want to assume anything, but you're right. The word brother should have tipped me off. You see, the thing is though, the, I have to go back and watch uh Zombieland. That was it, right? Zombieland. Correct. Uh, so I have to watch it because if Tallahassee references his own dumb brother, right? That oh. means that the whole thing, Tallahassee's dumb brother, is the reference, and therefore we cannot assume the gender. But if Tallahassee does not reference a brother, then we can assume gender. Okay, if you say so. I have to go watch the movie again so I can see if my assumptions are correct. All right. Well, you do that later and you let me know. Uh, yeah. Next, we have a call from Mike. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Mike from Simi Valley, California. Uh, just wanted to throw my two cents in about the, uh, this week's episode splinter. And I gotta say, I'm, uh, I'm with the crowd that where I actually really liked and enjoyed this episode. Um, personally, I think it was the best of the four so far, as opposed to Chris, who thought it was the worst. Uh, reason being that I thought, they did a great job at character development and really using your imagination and throwing you off as to whether or not things were real or things were imaginary. Uh, personally, I got fooled all the way to the point where we saw those two walkers with Ezekiel uh, all in costumes. Then I knew between that and Ezekiel's facial expressions at that point, that's when I knew things weren't real. Um, so, so there, uh, I liked it. I, I, I thought it brought out, uh, the best in, uh, princess and, uh, you know, how she cares for, 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 for people. And I thought they did a really good job in bringing the other three part of the group in as fake people. So I actually enjoyed this knowing that it's a bottle episode and that none of these six episodes are supposed to move the story forward. So, I actually really liked this and was surprised. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Bye. All right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, yes, I did think it was the worst of the four so far, but worst just feels like a really strong word now, considering I'm kind of coming around. But well, it's comparative, right? It's, it's true. Uh, out of the four, it's the worst. It's true. You know, out of out of the three uh, Back to the Future movies, the third one is the worst. I, it's still a really good movie, and hell, it's got uh, ZZ Top in it. How could it not be great? But it's still the worst. I, I guess something has to be the worst, so... It, yeah, out of the first three Star Wars movies, uh, A New Hope, uh, uh, what is it, Revenge of the Empire, what's it called? Empire <laughs> Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. Yes. Return of the Jedi is the worst. 
Okay. Right? Yeah. I have I have trouble assigning worst to any of the original trilogy for some reason, but I guess one of them has to be. Right? They can't all be equally amazing. Yeah, and you know, ranking of uh preference is rather personal. It's true. Right? It's very, very true. Uh, well, maybe we should uh maybe in, in order for us to be better people, Christopher, we should say I liked this one the least. It makes it an I statement and it has uh, no impact on the actual quality of the uh, of the episode. Saying it's the worst, it's a very you thing. It's uh, you episode are the worst. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's very antagonistic and uh, you know, not very nice. Whereas you say, I liked this one the least. You can't really pick that apart. You're absolutely right. Well, I'll do so that maybe, from now on. Uh, we should We should try. We should try. Yeah. Try to be better people. At least I'm going to try to be better people. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm a lost cause. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, the other thing Mike said, though, is that these being bottle episodes aren't really supposed to move the plot along at all. And I'm not sure I agree with that. I think bottle episodes will move the plot along in a different way. And I fully admit that this one probably did that now. I think that opening up a character like this and giving us more about what makes them who they are isn't typical plot movement, but it certainly um, uh, adds to it, right? It certainly adds to the past. It can reframe what you know about a character and it will give you more information for things they do in the future. So it's not typical plot movement, but it is character expansion and you need characters to have a good plot. I think I don't write anything, but I think you do. And if this makes princess a better character, then good enough for me. Uh, Yeah. And I'm thinking back of all the bottle episodes that I can recall off the top of my head. Uh, For me, it seems that the, point of a bottle episode is to expand characters and right. not necessarily to uh, move the plot, but the character development is very important. Uh, I can think of a few episodes that, uh, you know, didn't really advance the overall story of the season, mm-hmm. but were very important to uh, lay out the characters involved. And this one doesn't, uh, actually, this one does move the plot forward because uh, one of the uh, one of the big unknowns from you know the last the, this season proper before we uh, have these uh, these kind of add-on episodes, I guess is a nice way to put it. Uh, these additional episodes, uh, one of the big unknowns was, oh my God, who are these stormtrooper guys? Mm-hmm. Right? So we're learning about them, so the plot is advancing. We we know more about these guys. It all might be made up. It all might be fictional in that the stormtrooper guys might be lying out of their teeth about who they are and what they want. Uh, it could be all uh, in the mind of Princess, so we don't know. But I think that overall, uh, this bottle episode accomplishes two things. One, wonderful character development for Princess. And two, the stormtrooper people, we know a bit more about them. And hopefully we actually do. I mean, the other big time bottle episode in The Walking Dead, and there have been a bunch, of course, but Clear, where we learned all about Morgan and what he was doing in his mental state. And when you think about it, that's all about character too. Doesn't really move the quote unquote plot forward a lot. 
That being said, I haven't watched Clear in a long time, so I'm not totally clear on it, but uh, (laughs) I do know it was about Morgan and what he was going through. Sure. Before we move off of Mike's call, I cut it out of his call, but I wanted to address it here because he asked my opinion on whether the shadowy interrogator figure is supposed to be a particular character from the comics. Mm. And... I didn't want to play what he said for fear of spoilers, but I will address it. He thinks that this character is a guy in the comics named Lance Hornsby. And I will say this, that while watching this episode, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize that this might be that character. But upon thinking about it a little bit, there are some similarities between Mr. Shadowy Interrogator, who incidentally is credited on the episode as interrogation trooper. So he doesn't have, he doesn't have a name yet. Um, But there are some similarities between him and this character of Lance in the comics. So my feeling Mike is that if this guy is real and he does reappear on the show, I think there's a decent chance that this is the show's version of Lance. You don't know that's not his name. Somebody, his last name could have been Trooper. I'm sure there's lots of people out there with the last name of Trooper. Yeah. And some strange parents have named some kids some very strange names. <laughs> and so maybe they named him Interrogation Trooper. And with a name like Interrogation Trooper, your job in life is pretty much laid out in front of you. It pretty much is. But you know what the funniest part of all this is, Jason? What? The actor who played Interrogation Trooper is a guy by the name of Jesse James Look. Courier oh, or yeah. something like that. And Jesse James is one word. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I I tried to convince my wife, you know, Jasper was is a wonderful name for my son and I love it. Uh, but for decades, I wanted to, if I had a son, I wanted to name him Bert and Ernie. All one word. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't fly though, eh? Nope. Did not fly. I suggested it. But uh, Bert and Ernie and Stanley for a girl. I mean, I, this, this has come up before maybe, but like Bert and Ernie Chewbacca Miles is a really yeah. good name. Well, I'm not so sure about the Chewbacca part, but Bert and Ernie is a, is a great name. Well, I like the Chewbacca part, so screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have your own kids. You can name them whatever you want. It's true. I didn't get Chewbacca through the gate when we had kids either. But <laughs> anyways, Jesse James LeCourier. So an interesting name, you know, in any right he is a known actor. He's, I'd never heard of the guy, but if you look up his IMDb, he's got a bunch of credits and, uh, you know, you could potentially recognize him from something. So I'm thinking more and more that, yeah, he may stick on the show. And if he does, Mike, I think there's a good chance that this is Lance from the comics. Right. Sandra Bullock named, married a guy named Jesse James. Oh, really? Yeah. That was his real name. Apparently he's related to the real Jesse James. Oh. He's a... I knew him from before he married Sandra Bullock, oddly enough. He uh, manufactures motorcycles, I believe. Oh, cool. (laughs) Anyway, they got divorced. (laughs) Oh, well, sucks to be them. (laughs) Yeah, happens sometimes. All right, am I up? You are up, my friend. This comes from Bev in beautiful Brixham, Devon. I enjoyed the latest episode, although I was really hoping that it would move the plot along a bit further. It seems with the other extra episodes, we're being shown the desperation of our group. They've lost the kingdom and Hilltop, and Alexandria is not looking in good shape. Hope seems to be in short supply. Most of us are aware that a new community could be on the horizon, 
but with cracks in the group forming, are they all going to want to go? I think that there's a real possibility of the gang splitting into smaller groups for the final season. Hmm. I just wanted to include that because it is an interesting thought that we might get some people who are more keen on integrating with a larger group. We have, we might have some characters who aren't. And in some ways we've already got smaller groups. You know, we've got these four that are out here dealing with the stormtroopers. We've got other people back at Alexandria and, you know, Daryl and Carol, who knows what they're doing these days. So, um, it could, it could happen. Uh, I think ultimately in season 11, everyone will sort of come together. It feels like it would be a little unsatisfying if everyone just broke apart and the story ended with everyone off in different places doing different things, but maybe that's what they're going for. Well, with the, uh, walking dead expanded universe television show, what are they calling that again? Well, there's a few of them, right? There's tales of the walking dead and that's the one. Yeah. Okay. If everybody splinters off into, there's that word again, splinter, uh, everybody splits off into do their own, their own thing. They can easily be brought back in that show for an episode. Well, that's right? the thing. That's they can do anything they want in Tales of the Walking Dead. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, dragons, liches, uh, dinosaurs with lasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have nuclear weapons going off and an aircraft carrier out at sea. Uh, that kind of thing. Anything they want. Anything yeah. they want. I want it to be anything I want. Oh, okay. Anything you want. <laughs> That'd be my preference. There you go. All right, so these next couple of emails are for the last week's episode, not uh, not this one. So the first of these, uh, Jared writes from Traverse City, Michigan. I have some very fond memories of Traverse City. Jared, if you know somebody named Rosie, ask her if she met a drummer boy back in the uh, early 90s. That was me. Anyway, uh, Jared from Traverse City, uh, he writes, I love this episode. It's one of my new top favorites from the last eight years. I know there were deeper plot points with Aaron and Gabe, uh, following the map and all, but otherwise it's just two friends tra- traversing the land and trying to find a way to survive. Throw in some good zombie encounters and a random bad guy. And it's a simple episode, but a classic. I wouldn't mind seeing more of these episodes like this focused on just a few characters doing regular apocalypse survival things rather than having so much of the plot focused on level boss and their foot soldiers. Again, loved it. Excellent episode. Well, yeah, that's about last week's with Gabe and uh, Aaron. And that's, that's awesome. Like (laughs) regular apocalypse survival things like finding food, locating places to take a dump, uh, just, not dying, basically. F- finding a pig in a closet and uh, having to play uh, Russian roulette because the Terminator makes you. Yeah, you know, regular <laughs> apocalypse things. Yeah, yeah, regular <laughs> apocalypse stuff. That's and good. Uh, Jared, you spelled, f- did, did he spell favorites with the U or did you correct that somehow, Chris? It's, there's a good chance that I corrected it because my program here would indicate that that was spelled wrong without it. So I probably corrected it. Okay, because my program is telling me that favorites with a U is spelled wrong. Well, you're using U.S. English. I'm using Canadian English, my friend. I know, because like I mentioned, the last few years I've been working on projects based out of the U.S. and uh, I have to accommodate. What, you don't like to spell things the Canadian way and feel all superior? Like most Uh, of us? (laughs) Not always. Sometimes I do. If I'm chatting, I absolutely will. But if I'm writing a document, no. 
like okay. training documents or, uh, you know, design documents, that kind of thing. No, I, I, I use the American spelling. All right. Fair enough. That makes sense. That makes some sense. Thank you, Jared, for that. And I like how he used the name of his city as a verb in the body of his email too. Tra traversing from Traverse City, Michigan. <laughs> oh, I see friends traversing. That's, oh, I didn't catch that. Good, good one. There you go. All right. Finally here, Jeff on the internet writes, this is related to last week's too. Not sure if this is done in Canada, but here in the States, there is a social ritual based on the deer hunter. We were of course talking about the deer hunter ad nauseum last week. Uh -huh. It starts with a six pack in cans of cold beer out of sight. The host shakes one can vigorously and places it back with the others. One by one, the guests must open a can right next to their ear. It's called the beer hunter. Love it. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing we would do up here. I'm surprised I never did something like this as a youngin, <laughs> which I am not anymore, but uh, it sounds like the kind of thing Canadians would do. It sounds like a wonderful game. I mean, it's, you know, it's not as uh, deadly as the real uh, deer hunter, but the beer hunter for, uh, you know, getting an ear full of beer foam. I, I can't imagine why that wouldn't be awesome. No, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be fun at all. Other and, than the waste of beer. Well, there is that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't care one way or the other, but there's a lot of people out there and I know some of them personally that would take personal offense if any beer was wasted. Like try and leave half a beer on a table and walk away with either of these guys that I'm thinking of in the room and they will come down on you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> Do not leave that beer. You got to finish it. Well... I understand that a little bit. I mean, you open a drink, you should finish it. I never finish drinks. I know. never have. Yeah, I know. Even from a very young age, I drink half of a, whatever I'm drinking and then leave it. And move on. Well, anyways, uh, if you are Canadian and you have done the beer hunter, then uh, let us know. Sounds like fun. I've always wanted to play that game that I saw on How I Met Your Mother, uh, Edward Forty Hands. I don't remember you get, that. You get the two 40 ounce things of uh, malt liquor, uh, duct tape to your hands. You can't do anything except drink them. Oh, that sounds like a terrible game. Oh, that was, that was, uh, the actor who did that was on The Walking Dead. It, it wasn't Barney? I figured it would be Barney. No, or... it wasn't Barney. It was somebody that uh, Ted Mosby knew. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he needed to get information or get him to sign something, but he was playing Edward Forty Hands, so he couldn't <laughs> sign anything <laughs> until he was done in his 40s. And then he probably still couldn't sign anything. Yeah, I forget. I'm going to have to watch that whole series again just to make sure. Yeah, you'll have to start from the beginning, watch nine years or whatever the hell it was. I, I do that. I, I'm watching, rewatching Dexter. I'm on season two. Oh, good for you. All right. Well, that is it, everyone. That is all the email. Thanks so much for writing and calling in this week. I somehow feel a little bit more confused on what was real and what wasn't, but I also feel like it's not worth worrying about too much and just focusing on what we did learn about Princess and what we did learn about the white armored troopers. So that is good enough for me. Well, I think that might be a life lesson that we all can learn from. Uh, you know, when going through our lives and trying to figure out what's real and what's not, just try not to care. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter what's real. I know people uh, that uh, spend a lot of time trying to figure out other people's motivations for doing things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to convince them on a regular basis, 
you don't care. Like, it doesn't matter what their motivations are. They do this. It's the actions that, that actually matter. Their motivations may factor in. It may help you understand. But you don't have to care about the motivations. I mean, it's the outcome that's important, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on that, on that regard, it's uh, who you are on the inside doesn't matter. It's what you do that matters. What you do and what you say and who you are on the outside, right? Yeah. So if you find somebody who seems perfectly nice, but they're mean to waitstaff, they're not a nice person. Mm, yeah, good They're just point. nice to you. Well, we learned something here today, Jason. That's all we good did. advice and I hope everyone takes it. And if you would like to get in touch, which I highly recommend you do, you can go to our website, click on send voicemail at the top and hopefully record a problem-free message uh, or use your phone to record a message and send it into us. You can send it by email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. So we're going to end here, Jason, with something a tiny bit different uh, than usual. And it does relate to this episode. This was sent in to me by a couple of different, li- different listeners, including Heidi on the internet and Jim in Delaware. So I hope everyone enjoys this. And until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Here goes. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Columbus is the capital of Ohio. There's Montgomery, Alabama, south of Helena, Montana. Then there's Denver, Colorado, under Boise, Idaho. Texas has Austin, then we go north to Massachusetts, Boston, and Albany, New York. Tallahassee, Florida, and Washington, D.C. Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Nashville, Tennessee. Elvis used to hang out there a lot, you know. Trenton's in New Jersey, north of Jefferson, Missouri. You got Richmond in Virginia, South Dakota has Pierre, Harrisburg's in Pennsylvania, and Augusta's up in Maine. And here is Providence, Rhode Island, next to Dover, Delaware. Concord, New Hampshire, just a quick jaunt to Montpelier, which is up in Vermont. Hartford's in Connecticut, so pretty in the fall. And Kansas has Topeka, Minnesota has St. Paul. Juno's in Alaska, and there's Lincoln in Nebraska, and it's Raleigh out in North Carolina, and then there's Madison, Wisconsin, and Olympia in Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, and Lansing, Michigan. Here's Honolulu, Hawaii's a joy, Jackson, Mississippi, and Springfield, Illinois, South Carolina with Columbia down the way, and Annapolis and Maryland on Chesapeake Bay. They have wonderful clam chowder. Cheyenne is in Wyoming, and perhaps you make your home in Salt Lake City, out in Utah, where the buffalo roam. Atlanta's down in Georgia, and there's Bismarck, North Dakota, and you can live in Frankfurt in your old Kentucky home. Salem in Oregon, from there we join. Little Rock in Arkansas, Iowa's got Des Moines, Sacramento, California, Oklahoma, and its city. Charleston, West Virginia, and Nevada, Carson City. That's all the capitals there are. Ah, oh, Nevada. Thank you to the Animaniacs. For that song. I think it's funny that it was a British accent. <laughs> it sounded like Ringo or. Yeah, well, yeah, it's that, uh, that's one of the characters from the Animaniacs. He has that, uh, I forget where Ringo's from. Liverpool? 
Like the Liverpool, rest of the Beatles? Some, yeah. I don't know. No, it's slightly different. Anyway, you would <laughs> go 25 miles in any direction in England and the accent changes. That's true. Anyway, thank you. That was fun.